Mike Pence holds a million-dollar fundraiser in Indianapolis. Will GOP donors choose Trump over Holcomb? Mitch Daniels wants the Libertarian to take part in presidential debates, a delay in I-69 construction, and a pair of key endorsements, one for Evan Bayh and one for Curtis Hill. That plus racing for Trump and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending September 9, 2016. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, Governor Mike Pence hosted a million-dollar Indianapolis fundraiser to benefit the Trump campaign. It's the third Indiana fundraiser for that purpose in less than two months. The private event took place at the JW Marriott. Tickets for the fundraiser ranged from $1,000 to $250,000, with the money going to the Republican National Committee. It's money that will be spent in other states because the GOP believes that Indiana is already safely in the Trump column. Democrats believe that some of the money would otherwise go to GOP candidate for governor Eric Holcomb, and they hope it's a sign that Republican donors would rather give to Trump than to Holcomb. Here's Jeff Harris of the John Gregg campaign, followed by Pete Seed of the Holcomb campaign. It's a bad investment for most Republican voters when they're looking at where they're going to place their limited resources. We're going to have the resources we need. We're going to be way more competitive than they think we're going to be. Pushing $5 million, and that's, uh, that's a lot of money for Indiana. But there's a lot of people that uh, want Trump to win in Indiana, too. And that's Indiana Trump Chairman Rex Early with his tally of Indiana contributions to Trump. Is there enough GOP money to go around? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat and Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwanis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV State House reporter Jim Shella. Mike McDaniel, do donors choose between Trump and Holcomb? No. And the reason I say that is because I, most donors who give at that level uh, give both to a presidential candidate and a gubernatorial candidate and a senatorial candidate and a congressional candidate. I mean, those folks but it's generally not a give across well, the board. Is it? Pardon me? It's not a bottomless well. Well, it's, not, it's never a bottomless well, but the people at that level can afford to give to a lot of different folks, and they do uh, traditionally. But uh, the Holcomb campaign is doing fine. Uh, they raised $4.5 million in five weeks, which has got to be an unbelievable amount of money for any campaign. And uh, so they're going to have more than enough to be competitive in this race, and that is not a problem. The problem is time. Obviously, when you have such a short, compacted time period, that's the, what you've got to work with. But the money is not a problem there. In fact, they had another great, probably a record week this week, and, uh, you know, uh, I love the Democrats are concerned about uh, Eric's uh, fundraising efforts, but they better not be concerned. They better be concerned that he doesn't raise what he's able to raise, because if he does, they'll swamp him. Well, do 
Democrats think that Eric Holcomb won't have enough money to get his message out? I don't message think anybody out? ever thought that he wouldn't have enough money. The message he's giving is so bad. And on, on top of that, I mean, be, be, when you have people, you know, I gave the, uh, the sobriquet to uh, Mike uh, Pence last week, the chief pooper scooper. Now he's on board. I mean, he is actually praising Putin. Along, along, I mean, talk about giving aid and comfort to the enemy. They're talking about the kind of leadership they want. If you kill your opponents and you suppress the press and you rig the polls and you rig the election and you invade other countries and you consort with dictators, that's what they think is strong leadership, just like Stalin and Hitler. It is amazing, and if a Democrat had said that, if a Democrat had said that, people would be screaming about the level of patriotism. This is it's offensive. It really is that they would give such aid and comfort to the I was going to say, we were talking about <laughs> fundraising. Well, but um, it, it goes, to, it goes to the presidential yeah. campaign is what it goes to. <laughs> okay. They, you know, they're going to have enough money because Trump doesn't pay any taxes, so he can put whatever he wants to put in. <laughs> Did you have any more talking about you? Yeah. Um, a couple more. Let's try it. Let's go back to question. fundraising, John Ketzenberger. $5 million uh, out of Indiana for something other than a statewide race is, uh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. I know Mike um, is, is incredulous about this, and, and I do agree that there, you know, there are people who are giving here who have the means to do so, and so the Trump and Pence contributions are probably above whatever they were going to do anyway, but it isn't a bottomless well, and it also is a lot of money. I mean, $5 million to go to a national campaign that doesn't have a direct effect when you have such a high-profile Senate race and such a close uh, gubernatorial race uh, is really astounding. I, I just have to say that that's a lot of money coming out of Indiana for the national ticket. But then when you go down ballot and you look at the Senate race and the governor race, there's an awful lot of out-of-state money coming in here. I mean, nobody's going to run out of money from what I can tell. I, I don't think so. I think whoever talked about the, the compressed time frame is uh, right on the money. It, it's... Uh, that's a bigger obstacle than, than raising the money. Uh, a lot of times you look at federal races versus state races. They're different people, different pools of contributors. Uh, those, and when you talk about those with a, a vested interest, perhaps, those with, that do most of their business in the state of Indiana with contracts and so forth at the state level versus the bigger players. Now, a lot of the people that Mike, as he pointed out, give not only uh, to multiple races, but also to multiple parties. You know, think of all the the, uh, the players that give both to Democratic uh, candidates and Republican candidates, like, like Donald Trump, to to basically to cover cover their bases. So I think what this is, I mean, it, it is a testament to Mike Pence abil Pence's ability to raise money and Rex Early's ability to raise money. I think if you had just let's say if this were uh, Donald Trump with name another candidate with with Governor Christie. You would, not see, you would not see. Uh, you would not see. You would not see one tenth of this out of well, Indiana. I think, I, I think Rex Early gets a lot of credit. Absolutely, Rex has done a great job, and uh, he's proud of that. And I'm proud of him for doing the job he's done. But uh, there's a poll out this week that Reuters has that has Trump with a 24 point lead in Indiana. And there's another one coming out this weekend that's going to have Trump with a high teens lead in Indiana. And there if are, he's there doing, are other, there, are there are other polls, polls. that are closer. I'm, well, but I'm just telling you, the Reuters right. one 24, and the right. other one's going to come out this weekend. It's going to be 19. So if in fact they're anywhere near that, right. if they're say right. maybe even 10 or 12, you're going to help down ballot races all the way down the line. So raising money for Trump 
It's not going to hurt anybody in Indiana. It's only going to help people in Indiana. Yeah, it's going to take money out of the state, and that's a good thing. Well, that whole emissary to the Vatican is looking better and better for Rex all the time, I yeah. think. If, oh, if, dear God. If Trump wins. <laughs> time now oh. for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. Last week's question is, Mike Pence doing a good job as Donald Trump's running mate? 31% said yes. 23% said no, 46% said it's hard to tell. This week's question, should Gary Johnson be included in the presidential debates? Your choices are A, yes, B, no, or C, who's Gary Johnson? If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. Purdue President Mitch Daniels will host the Libertarian presidential candidate at Purdue next week. Daniels is also calling for Gary Johnson to be included in the first presidential debate later this month. The former governor is a member of the Commission on Presidential Debates, and at an event in Washington, he said the commission should bend the rules to include Johnson. The commission has said candidates need to average 15% or higher in national polls. Johnson is not there yet. And Delaney, what's Daniel's motivation? Well, I think he wants to get him to Purdue to show him a map of Syria so that, you know, as, the foreign, as a Syrian-American, he can show him where Aleppo is, which, you know, is number one. Number two, seriously, though, I mean, you, you have to wonder with somebody running for president whether his platform of legalizing marijuana has been taken a little too seriously over the years you know, on his part. The idea that you could not, that you would not, the way he answered the question, it made it sound like he didn't even know it was a city. You know, um, so so you, you you've got that. We're learning but, exposure may not be a good thing for well, Gary and, Johnson. Well, and there's that. But seriously, is why he would want him on the platform. Anything that will detract attention from from Trump and and take up some of the air and oxygen is a good thing from Mitch Daniels' point of view. Well, Mitch Daniels is a Republican. Is he working against Donald Trump? No, I, I think it's a, a presidential debate commission member. I think he looks at what's going on in, in this particular presidential race, and I think it's what he said it was. I think he thinks that a lot of people are taking a look at both of the candidates we have now and are still shopping. And he thinks that subsequently you've got a third-party candidate that's out there. Why not give him a chance to get some exposure in the, in the presidential debate? And I understand that. I mean, that's, it's hard. But his, his mess up on the question of Aleppo, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, and I got to give you credit. You're an equal opportunity pounder for you to pound on poor Johnson. <laughs> I mean, you well, just you never give up. You, Mike, you it's have unbelievable. to admit that that is, that is not just a I, small error. Well, somebody That's suggested that he error. thought Aleppo was one of the Marx brothers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> John, John, the rules are, are laid out, and, and uh, the head of the debate commission says to do this would be to invite a lawsuit. I mean, um, it, the, Mitch Daniels is not the kind of guy who likes to invite lawsuits. No, uh, probably not. But And the rules are there for a reason. Uh, you look at some states' ballots, and there are dozens of, of candidates on, right. on the ballot. There are different thresholds, of course, in different states to get on a ballot. And it would be the proverbial slippery slope if you start allowing, making exceptions. Uh, but there, this reminds me of the John... It was John Anderson, I forget, the, uh, the third-party candidate who was yeah. also uh, not allowed to participate and had his own event, I think, competing with Ross, or right Ross, after. Ross Perot was Ross allowed Perot. to participate because he made the threshold. Well, right. what, what I think, though, one, one logical argument maybe about including the libertarian 
is the notion that it uh, takes some of the uh, air out of the notion that it's rigged. Because we've heard now everything's rigged, everything's rigged, there's, well, the system is rigged. By having, it's, it, does, it does fuel the, I'm not there saying allowance. Well, I understand that. Following the rules yeah. doesn't make I'm it I'm simply rigged. saying that people will use John. this as ammunition to say yeah. this is evidence that yeah, it's fixed. John Ketzenberger, will Gary Johnson be on the debate stage? No, because even if he was able, I mean, if he, if he had been rising in the polls and was able to reach that 15% threshold, I think his gaffe this week probably scotched that idea. Are the presidential debate commission rules and statute? No. 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 I mean, so why can't they? You know, wh how do you file a lawsuit against something like that? I mean, well, I think the the problem is if you have the you rule know. at fifteen percent and you bend it for him, how, what do you say well, to the other candidates out there that don't make that that's threshold? That's the next presidential election, I guess, or whatever going to deal with. Right, but get there's an not a statute, so I'm fast. not sure. All right, moving on. A payment dispute stopped dis construction on I-69 this week. Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton says the project might not be done until May of 2018, and he's calling on Governor Pence to take action. A Bloomington-based subcontractor walked off the job saying the contractor owes it $2.3 million. Other subcontractors are also threatening to quit. Hamilton says he originally expected the work to be done by next month. I'm not against trying public-private partnerships, but if it's not working, the responsibility of government is to step in, fix it, get people back to work here so everybody's safe and we get our economy humming again. John Ketzenberger, who's to blame for this delay? Well, the blame ultimately falls on the contractor who's not paying the subs. Um, but they've done this section of the, of the highway differently than they did the four sections leading up to it from Evansville to Bloomington. And in that case, the state essentially was the, was the contractor, uh, hired out the work and paid everybody. In this case, they hired a private contractor, and somehow, and for some reason, the private contractor has failed to pay the subcontractors, and they've walked off the job until but they the, get paid. But the contractor says that there are delays here that are, are because of the state's failure to get environmental permits and, and other reasons. They're trying to lay the blame on the state. I guess we shouldn't be surprised that the fingers are going this direction. I, it's, it's an embarrassment, and people want this thing done. I mean, these projects have a way of dragging on forever. Anyone who's you know, ever tried to uh, traverse uh, the, that portion of the roadway to get to, say, an IU game, uh, either past or future, knows the frustration of that stretch of road not being uh, mm -hmm. done. And since my son graduates in, when is it done? In 2018? He graduates yeah. in 2019. I might get a little bit of sliver of enjoyment <laughs> okay. out at the end. But well, Democrats are trying to, trying to make this part of the, the gubernatorial campaign. Sure they're, they are. They're, mean, they're saying this is an, an infrastructure failure. That's, that's no surprise. I mean, Hamilton ran against I-69 when he was working against Hostetler for Congress. I mean, it was, so there's no surprise there that he would participate in a news conference. But, of but this there is kind. a real problem. Well, look, the contractor's being dealt with. The subs are being paid as we speak, I'm told. Uh, so that's going to be dealt with. But what I love about this is I-69, there's 100 miles of I-69 that's been built because of the Republican leadership of Mitch Daniels and carried on with Mike Pence. This was, Evan Byron ran on I-69 in 1988. Nobody did anything for the whole time he was there. Nobody's done anything until Mitch Daniels came along. So this this project, 100 miles of it's already done. It's going to be finished after being talked about for over 30 years. The bypass around Kokomo, the Hoosier Heartland Quarter, all those are things that have been done as a result of this leadership. So I have to laugh when I hear somebody complaining about this particular snafu. When you're building highways and paving roads at the rate that they are right now in Indiana, you're going to have a contractor or two. You're going to have a problem okay. with on occasion. You, you did a public-private partnership. Is a, 
That, that's with true. With a Spanish that's company true. that but, is belly but, up. But to complain about all of this. All they were required to put up was a 5% bond on payment and a 30% and I-69 bond, is being built. And a 30% bond on performance. This has been mismanaged from the beginning. I-69 Mike is being Pence built. Mike says that he wants to stand on his infrastructure needs. Did we you build I-69? Bridges, <laughs> and this is at least eight months behind schedule. Did you build I-69? And it is completely botched from no, beginning to end by well, Mike Pence. There's 100 miles of I-69 I drove last by week. Way, That's by beautiful. Way, let's, give, let's let Ann By finish. the way, on that, Eric Holcomb has no infrastructure plan on top of that. <laughs> John Gregg has put one out and a way to pay that for it. That he can't pay for. Excuse me, Michael. <laughs> he can't pay for My, And Eric Holcomb has none. And this is anybody who's driven this for the last over well, a year understands how mismanaged this project well, has been. infrastructure is a big issue. Oh, and, absolutely. And anybody who thinks that, that they won't Look for and find an issue well, or well, two. And, is, and look at Northern Indiana. At the same Indiana. time, two billion dollars worth of checks are going out to yeah. locals to build projects all over Indiana. Yeah. I'd say there are a lot of people pretty happy with what look, we've done as far as have, infrastructure. Look at what we that. have up in Northern Indiana with with the environmental catastrophe up there, which poor Mike Pence hasn't had time to look at. Now they want the EPA, the same EPA that I believe his running mate said he wanted abolished. Or maybe it was just the environment he wanted to abolish. Which was it? I can't remember. But anyway, they want them to clean it up because Mike Pence can't spend time from his campaign to go up there and even visit with the people. Let's move on. Democrat Evan Bayh is getting a boost from auto workers in his bid to win back a seat in the U.S. Senate. Members of the UAW called a news conference this week to attack Republican Todd Young's position on the government bailout of the auto industry during the Great Recession. The event was timed to coincide with a new campaign ad that includes video of Young telling an audience in 2010 that the auto industry should go belly up. Here's Jim Bewley of the UAW. But in more than one occasion, he has called it a complete waste of money. He has, he has called out in his own words that the automakers should go belly up. Evan Bay has vowed he will fight for these jobs. He has fought for these jobs in the past, and he will continue to do so, which can only help every bit of our economy. You know, it was, a, it was a rally when he was a candidate, and, you know, he's having rallies as a candidate here six years later, f focusing on a different set of issues. That's Jay Kenworthy of the Young Campaign. John Schwanitz, is that a gotcha moment for Todd Young? Uh, I'm sure that this is the period of time when we all go back and look at statements in the past versus pronouncements of the current day. And uh, the point I'm, of the, when the point of the matter is opposition to the bailout in 2010 was was popular, and the bailout true. Well, the and bailout has worked. And the bailout has worked. I don't know if now was, the bailout is popular. I'm not sure. Itself. I'm not sure necessarily that you can say categorically that opposition was popular back then. Within within, within certain segments of the population, more than half, certainly not if you live in Kokomo and Anderson or or any yeah. of those regions. But it's uh, I mean the, the value of the endorsement will come down to. Uh, not just what's happened with this announcement, but what kind of grassroots volunteerism is taking place, what kind of yeah. people, uh, efforts are underway to actually put some meat on the bones. Does this, what does this do for Evan Bayh? It's a big uh, pick-me-up for the campaign. Um, it is a damning piece of tape, uh, and I think they've done well in the ad to frame it in a way that makes it look as bad as possible for Todd Young. So uh, the other thing about it is, in contrast to the uh, ads against Evan Bay. This one is done by the Evan Bay campaign, right. and he says he's doing this. And I think that impresses people. Um, if you're going to run an ad like that, then own it. And he has. And I think uh, it's a potentially very effective ad for. Yeah, Evan he's Bayh. taking the gloves off. 
Well, no question about it. The irony of this is when Mike Young, uh, Mike Young, when Todd, Todd Young. Young, Todd Young got the endorsement of the chamber, he said it was important because it was the endorsement of the workers. Remember when he said that? Yeah. Well, these workers, these hundred thousand jobs, he was willing to throw good-paying jobs. He was willing to throw over the side, as was Holcomb, as was Pence. And the irony of this is, not only was he willing to throw them over the side, but he opposed any allocation for retraining of workers who were displaced because of outsourcing of jobs. Well, so he, how he can claim to be the workers' candidate is laughable. It does. It puts him in a bad spot. Well, his his he, he his campaign spokesman Jay Kenworthy wouldn't say whether or not he stands by those words. Now he he kept saying look, that he wants to move the on. The reason it was popular at the time was because everybody knew that the auto industry would reorganize anyway. And so every time I hear the Democrats oh. talk about how they saved these jobs, everybody knows it has half a brain that that wasn't the case at all, that they would have reorganized and there still would be people making cards in the United States, period. Now, Evan Bayh, who bailed out the banks and Wall Street and then made a billion dollars of his own as he got out of the I jobs. I just find it so amazing and then, that Republicans and then it, are worried favorite, about people making my other, money. Yeah, but when, my when other favorite Mike Trump does it, it's favorite favorite is, Why? This he is the same Evan who in 1988 <laughs> ran racist campaign ads. Racist. Uh, get racist campaign racist. ads. About the Subaru plant in, oh. in Lafayette. And you're and against defending, the Japanese job. defending and Donald now, Trump. Now Japanese jobs probably hire what? The flaw, though, in what you're saying is that, uh, yes, the automotive industry might have found a way to rebound at some point, but for tens of thousands of Hoosier workers right. who would have been out of work at a time when there were no other job options, the, right. the, this notion that the industry would John, rebound. John, put it in context of what it was in the day, and that's I what still, it was. Oh, I still think it was. Yeah. Let's move on. In another year, the race for attorney general might be a high-profile contest, especially since it's a battle for an open seat. But this year, the race for president, senate, and governor are getting all the attention. And that's why an endorsement like the one Curtis Hill received this week might take on greater meaning. Hill now has the backing of the Fraternal Order of Police, a decision that was announced in front of the State House. Hill is a four-term prosecutor in Elkhart County who is hoping to succeed retiring Attorney General and fellow Republican Greg Zeller. Here is Bill Owensby of the FOP, followed by Hill. You don't do this thing four terms uh, without doing a good job. You don't do the prosecutor's job four terms without doing a good job. And it was really, that's what really brought his uh, name to the forefront was talking with our peers up in northern Indiana. In this state, in this country, we need to take a stronger role in recognizing the value of police and what they've done for this nation. Hill is running against Democrat Lorenzo Arredondo and Delaney is Hill the favorite in that race. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, when you get to talk to him and understand what he, he thinks that the role of the Indiana Attorney General is to do battle with the federal government. That's what he sees the role as. And he's the only one running, I think, who could make, could make uh, Greg Zeller seem moderate. Our, uh, our candidate for this is balanced. He's been a judge. He's had all different walks of life experience, and he's an excellent candidate. So I don't think there's a favorite in that race. Well, I mean, if endorsements count, he's got the FOP endorsement. He's been endorsed by a majority of prosecutors. Um, he's running a pretty good campaign. Outstanding candidate. He was a great prosecutor, has been a great prosecutor, and he's been everywhere. He may be the most active candidate outside of, of Eric Holcomb that we've had. He's <laughs> every place. And... Uh, 
I have no sign at all that Arredondo has been anywhere in Indiana outside Northwest Indiana. Well, that's and not so true, this I is going to be well. Week. That's because he went to the Democrat thing in French Lake for a weekend. So good for him. But I'm just telling <laughs> you that Curtis Hill is going to win this thing going away. Yeah. Surprised by the low profile of this race? Not necessarily. I mean, this again, there's not much oxygen left in the room. Mm-hmm. It is down ballot, and this may be one of those where, because no one is really familiar with the candidates. Name perception, You're like oh, that's my neighbor's cousin's friend. I know the hills. I know this. Yeah. Who We've wins? seen that. We've seen Who that happen wins? before. I think it's going to be a baseline race, and I'm going to put it on Arredondo right now. Finally, if you went to the NHRA races this week, you still couldn't get away from the race for president. Clint Thompson, a drag racer from Oregon, showed his support for Donald Trump on his car. Thompson also sells T-shirts that say "Racers for Trump." He's raised several thousand dollars. We do it as a hobby. We do it for fun. There's Unless you've got a nice sponsor, there's no way to make any money at it. But we do it because we love it, and we're doing the Donald Trump thing because we love our country, and we think that's what needs to happen. Mike McDaniel, is it okay to take your politics to the racetrack? You know what? I think this is symbolic of the support that Donald Trump's getting around the country. This is not one of the huge mega teams with big sponsors. This Clearly, is the he guy didn't have that a sponsor to put on the car. This is the guy that goes out and does this because he loves it, and it's people that want to change that aren't part of the establishment, that are moving in a big way towards Trump. Non-traditional and voters. a perfect example of that, yeah, non-traditional it, it, it voters. The irony, they share a lot in common, the love of the, you know, the cars <laughs> and all, because when Donald Trump was doing his paper route and learning his entrepreneurialship, the chauffeur drove him around in the Cadillac to deliver the paper. <laughs> well, the, so they have a lot in common. Well, the configuration of the track that you were, yeah. that goes from left, left to, to right. right. Is that right? Yeah. Very fast. Yeah, very uh, fast. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Kensenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir or starting Monday. You can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. Join us next time because a lot can happen in an Indiana Week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.